Well, this morning we're going to deal with April Fools. April Fools in the Bible. I had a brother once. Most of my brothers were heathens. And two or three of them, I'm not worried about them beating me up when I get to heaven because I'm not sure they're going to be there. And I say that very sadly because I preach to them, but one of them one time wanted to mock me. He was just doing it to show off in a crowd considerably older than I am. And he was sitting there and he said in a mixed crowd, I guess thinking it would embarrass me, he said, I would have been an atheist, but they don't have any holidays. And I was sitting there at the end of the table and I said, sure they do, Frank, April 1st. The table got real quiet for a minute, and then he looked over at me, and we won't go on with what that story, okay? But uh, sure, sure, uh, April Fools. We're going to deal with April Fools in the Bible. Where did that come from, this idea, this concept of April Fools? Well, most sources, if you look it up, will tell you it comes from Canterbury Tales, from Chaucer. Uh, Geoffrey Chaucer... Uh, wrote a set of tales called uh, uh, the Canterbury Tales. And in one particular story within his book of tales, it's called The Nun's Priest. There is a tale in there called The Nun's Priest. And in it is where for the first time, or at least they assume the first time, that this concept of pranking on April 1st comes from, is from The Nun's Priest. But actually, there are more ancient holidays. The days were not set on April the 1st on our calendar, but they were the same thing. For instance, the Roman holiday of Hilaria, from, what we get the, from where we get the word hilarious, but the Roman holiday Hilaria, every year you pranked people. You did things to them to spook them or scare them. And the Indian holiday predates even the Roman holiday of Hilaria called Holi. And so in India, there is a day called Holi, and that's the day that you prank people and do things. And so they have set the day in America based on Chaucer's book, and they have called that April 1st. So, but it's also been a day when a lot of people have died, a lot of people. I have more than I have time to show you. By the way, if you ever want to know who died on this day or was born on this day, all you got to ever do is just Google it and it'll show you a long list of people. Most of them we may not know. So let's just experiment. Let's see if you know who they are. Who's this guy? Oh, I heard it. There you go. John Forsythe. He died on April the 1st. Now this is going to date, and if some of the older folks say this, you know, it's going to kind of tell on you. Who is that guy? <laughs> Yeah, David Bowie, he, he found out there is a God on April the 1st, okay? Uh, what about this guy? Anybody know who he is? Scott Joplin. Now, you may not know him, but you know his song. That's Scott Joplin, Maple Leaf Rag. And so, very good piano player. What about this guy? Anybody know who this one is right here? Who's that? Yeah. Ain't no mountain high. No, I shouldn't do that. Pastor's going to fire me, okay? 
Marvin Gaye died on April the 1st. How about this guy? Does anybody know who this guy is? He died, he died on April 1st also. Now on his calendar, it was called something else, but it calculates on our calendar to April the 1st. His name was Herod the Great, the baby killer, the one who sought to kill Jesus and rounded up all the babies and all the coats thereof and butchered all those children. That's Herod the Great, the one who built the temple that Jesus walked in when he was on the earth, the one who built the tomb to Abraham and Sarah in the city of Hebron. That Herod, the one who built Caesarea, the man-made port that exists on the Mediterranean Sea in Israel. That was Herod the Great. The great aqueducts that brought water down from the mountains all the way down to Caesarea. And he was a builder, but he was also a butcher. And I love this picture of him because it actually shows more of his personality than a lot of movies do. Because this is more what he was actually like. In fact, Augustus Caesar, the one who's in Luke chapter 2, there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Augustus Caesar said of this guy, I would rather be a pig than to be a child of Herod. Herod one day did not like his son that was born to him, to one of his wives, so he just walked into the crib, held its nose, closed its mouth, and suffocated the little baby to death with his own hands. This was not a nice guy. But he went to God on April the 1st. Some really funny pranks can be pulled on April. How many of you ever had a prank pulled on you on April 1st? Let me see your hands. Well, not enough. Not enough. So I'm going to give you some ideas, okay, that you can do. How about this one? Take their speed stick and dig out the deodorant and put butter. <laughs> oh, that's just wrong, Pastor. That's just wrong. Oh, they get better. Okay. This is actually yogurt, half of a peach, and apples cut up. Serve that for breakfast again. They'll think they're getting something else. This one's really fun. Taping an air horn behind the door. You could take clear fingernail polish and paint somebody's soap. And when they try to lather, not one bubble will come. <laughs> Lots of fun. Tie your garbage up to look like this. <laughs> and then set it out there by your dumpster, okay? See if the sheriff doesn't knock on your door. <laughs> Invest in some post-its. And cover your neighbor's car. Take Oreos and cut that sugary stuff out of the middle and put Colgate toothpaste. <laughs> or if you prefer, you can use Crest. Okay? They both work. But that is a very bad tasting Oreo, I want you to know. Try this one. Glue a little spider on the back side of the roll, and when they pull it, that spider comes up. Of course, it can also mean you're going to have to clean the bathroom, okay? <laughs> you could also take saran wrap if somebody's parked by a telephone pole and just wrap them up. Take 
chocolate Easter eggs and take them out and put grapes instead. <laughs> you can get plastic cockroaches and put it on the inside of the lamp so when they turn the lamp on, they scream. If my wife saw this, she would scream. By the way, men, it is not good to prank your wife. <laughs> Just say it, okay? Just say it. April Fools. April Fools in the Bible. First of all, let's talk about the word fool or foolish. Is it in the Bible? Yeah, it sure is. In fact, uh, it, it appears 180 times in the Word of God. The word fool or fools or foolish, 180 times in the Word of God. Most of those are in the Old Testament. 137 of them are in Old Testament, 43 in the New Testament. And the 137 in the Old Testament are actually the translation of 10 different Hebrew words. But the vast majority of that 137 are the translation of one Hebrew word. And of the 43 in the New Testament, six of them, or I mean there are six different Greek words, but the vast majority of that 43 are the translation of one word. For instance, the most common word that is used in the Old Testament is kasil. That is the vast majority, about 120 or more of those references is the Hebrew word kasil, which simply means to be silly, to behave in a flippant manner, to ignore, or to show no interest. The Greek word that is used is aphron. Aphron, and it means basically the same thing. It means to be mindless, or stupid, or to act without forethought, or to be rash. And so, yes, the Bible is very well aware of that type of behavior and talks about it. So, first, the Bible says that there are fools in general, okay? Just in general. Never mind those boxes. It just means that that font is not in our computer here and it's substituting, okay? Our computer's behaving foolishly, <laughs> okay? What does the Bible say in Psalm 14:1? The fool hath said in his heart, what? There is no God. This is the atheist fool. So the Bible does talk about fools in general. And not just in that one verse. There's a lot of verses that talk about the atheist fool. The fool that says there's no God. There's another type of fool in the Bible. Uh, it says, see thou a man wise in his own conceit. There is more hope in a fool than him. The sluggard is wise in his own conceit. This is the lazy fool. The lazy fool. And they're in the Bible too. I mean, even the Bible tells us, go to and look at the ant. If you want a lesson, if you want an example, go look at the ant. I mean, it labors hard to put away its food in the summer. And it's prepared for the winter and has food for the whole winter. That's just preparation. That's being the opposite of this lazy fool. Another fool Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is Paul says, I am a fool in glorying. And he apologizes to his writer, to his readers. He said, I'm a fool in glory. There's the boastful fool. You know, the Bible says, let another man's lips Praise thee and not thine own mouth. Have you ever been around someone that likes to talk about themselves all the time? That's when I turn my hearing aid off. 
the boastful fool. Now, but the Bible does reveal there are other fools that we need to look at this morning, and we're going to look at them, and we're going to learn from the Word of God. There are April fools in the Bible, and we're going to look at a few of them, okay? We're going to start first with the building fool. So turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. The building fool. And we're going to read those verses right there, 24 through 27. So follow along as I read them aloud, verses 24 to 27. Jesus is speaking here. This is often called the parable of the two builders. So let's read this. It says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the flood, floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. But everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand." And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. It collapsed completely, Jesus is saying. It came to pass when Jesus ended these things, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In other words, he wasn't wishy-washy. There was no in-between ground with Jesus. In fact, one time he even said, he that is not with me, is against me. There's no middle ground there. You're on his side or you're not on his side. And so that's the way Christ taught. Now he's dealing here with the building fool. Why is he a building fool? Because he places convenience above caution. Now I've built a lot of things in my life. And I know what you have to do if you're going to start. You've got to dig down and you've got to get that foundation right. You don't get that foundation right Truth is, doesn't matter what you build after that. It can be pretty, it can be beautiful, it can be gold-plated, but it's still headed for destruction. The foundation has to be right. In fact, the Bible hints that that is a problem even in our lives because it says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The foundation of your life is very important. So I would say you better watch out. Don't let convenience overwhelm caution in your life. Some things it's wise to be cautious about. So let's talk about the building fool, okay? I always like to tell people about Blaise Pascal. He didn't live very long, just 39 years, I think, and he was a very young man. But he was a physicist. He was a, he was a uh, mathematical genius. Uh, he was one of those prodigies as a young man and way above his peers. But he made one thing of all the volumes that he wrote and all the stuff that he wrote. He made this wager. It's a very simple wager. It simply means counting the cost in the end. And he says, if you are, if you are right and I am wrong, I lose nothing. And if I am right and you are wrong, you lose everything. Think about those two builders again. Take this 
this Pascal's wager and apply it to the two builders. They're building, one's building down there on the sand and the other one's digging down, sweating, pouring out sweat. Digging. What are you doing? I'm trying to dig down to the rock. I got to get to the rock. What are you doing that for? Look how level the sand is. Look how smooth it is. You can start right here. No, 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 no. I'm going to build right here. And so one could say to the other, but what about the rain? Ah, who's worried about the rain? Okay, now, let's think about the rain and the storm and the hurricane then for just a second. So if one never comes and you build on the sand and I build, so if you're right and I'm wrong, but I dug down on the rock, what if I lose? I lose nothing. But what if one does come? What if I'm right and you're wrong? You're going to lose everything. This is exactly what is being talked about here. They have diverse outcomes. One of them, the Bible says, the house fell. Great was the fall of it. The other one fell not. The Bible's very simple. It just said it, it didn't fall. It fell not. So one of them was lost. Everything he invested in. Now, we're led to believe both of these guys had the same building materials. We're led to believe they both had the same building skills. One wasn't a better carpenter than the other. They had equal building skills, equal building abilities, equal subcontractors. They had everything. Everything was just right, but yet he lost it all. He had to watch it all just be washed away. Whereas the other guy, he was spared because he did the groundwork first. Now, is, is Jesus teaching a lesson here or is he just giving this uh, good construction advice? What's he doing? Is he giving us life advice or construction advice? Well, probably both, but <laughs> let's just say he's giving us life advice. So what does he mean then? He means you better build your life on the Lord. That's the simple lesson. Believers are not exempt from life storms. I promise the rain falleth upon the just and the unjust. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your stature in life. Storms come for all of us. None of us are getting out of this life alive unless Jesus comes, which is kind of what I'm looking forward to, amen? amen? So storms come. So the thing is then, it isn't that believers don't face storms, it's that they have the right foundation when the storms come. And they're able to stand and they're able to cheer when other people cannot. Do you know there is no such thing as being almost saved you ever heard someone tell you, I'm almost saved? You're not almost saved. You're either completely saved or completely lost. One or the other. Five seconds before I got on my knees on May 10th, 1972, I was completely lost. If my heart had stopped beating, I would have gone straight to hell. It's just that simple. But after I prayed and I asked the Lord Jesus Christ's blood to cover my sins and save me, I got up off my knees. At that second, I was completely saved. Amen. Completely saved. I wasn't even baptized yet, but I was still completely saved. Because if salvation comes by baptism, that's a work. And you're saved not by works. Not of works, lest man should boast. There is no human work you can do. Only Jesus can do a work in your heart. And that's what saves us. We're talking about April Fool's today. And this is the building fool. There is no, for instance, if you think religion can save you, you're building on sand. 
if you think that just being good, he's a good guy. No doubt there are good people in this world, at least as the world views them and grades us. A, B, C, D, F. I don't know how you grade yourself. But honestly, it doesn't matter how the world grades you at all. It doesn't matter how many hospitals are named after you, how many airports, how many stadiums, and how many streets are named after you. is going to make a bit of difference. The balance sheet is the same. The writer of Proverbs says, the rich and the poor, they meet together at the grave. All things are equal. Somebody once asked at a funeral of this very wealthy guy, and they were sitting in the back. Two people were in the back talking, there was one sitting in front of them, and the two people in the back said, I wonder how much he left. And the person in front of them turned around and said, all of it. In fact, there was another story of a guy who was so wealthy and his friends were so wealthy and they wanted to show off. So as they went by the casket, they were just taking wads of $100 bills and $20 bills and just throwing them in his casket to show off how rich they were. And then some guy stepped up there and pulled his checkbook out. He added up all the cash, wrote out a check, put it in and took all the cash. <laughs> he can cash that check. Listen, if you're just being good, you're on sand. If you think the church can save you, I love our church. I love our pastor. I love Pastor Tolbert. I look at Brother Baskin and I remember how our lives touched back in 1975. But can I tell you something? Neither of these ministers can save you. They want you to be saved. Brother Newland cannot save you. I'll bet he wants you to be saved. Isn't that right, brother? But he can't save you. You got to do this on your own. Only Jesus can save. There's only one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. The building fool. Church cannot save you. Baptism cannot save you. Mom and dad cannot save you. Taking communion, it's a good thing to do. Nothing wrong with it, but it can't save you. And neither can Mary and the saints. No, don't build on sand. Amen. Don't be a building fool. Don't be a building fool because I promise it's going to have a bad outcome. It's going to have a bad outcome. Remember this song? On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Amen. The next one. Turn to the gospel of Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. If we don't have time to read them all, we won't. But in Luke chapter number 12, we're going to look at verses 16 to 21. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room to where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I'll bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou what? Thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This fool is putting all of his stock in the here rather than the hereafter. Well, is that what you're doing? Are you putting all your stock in the here and not the hereafter? You've got to rethink your priorities then. Back in the day, they don't let you do this anymore because of risk insurance. 
But back in the day when I was like a 10-year-old to 11-year-old, my cousin and I would meet together. We'd go with my dad and my uncle to the junkyard so they could get parts for their old cars and stuff. And they just let you freely walk through there. In fact, I would ask dad, we would ask dad and Uncle Vern if it's okay for my cousin and I to take off and, and go hunt for money. And uh, they'd say, fine. And the owner of the, the junkyard didn't care. And he'd just say, but if you get bee sting, don't come crying to me. And so we get to go. And man, we crawl through those cars, and some of those cars, windows shattered, cars smashed, blood on seats. I mean, it can be gruesome when you go through some of these cars. But Verl and I would get underneath the seats, and we'd dig through the cracks and stick our hands down there. And sometimes we'd come away with glass cuts, and, and we'd have to run from bees every once in a while. But we'd come out of there. Oh, my goodness. I, I can remember in 1964, we came out with over $3.50. I'm going to tell you to a kid, $3.50, and by the way, all the coins were silver. We pulled out a silver dollar, and some of it was folding money. We got a folding money, but we'd take up the back seats, and we'd go through all that, and we'd come out of there. Man, you know when you could take a quarter into a candy store and come out with a bag full of candy? Remember those days? That's what it was like when penny candy cost a penny, and it wasn't some little M&M size thing either. It was a honker, man. I mean, it was a jawbreaker. You'd have sticking in your cheek for about an hour and a half. We used to get into it. Guess what? I couldn't help but think as I think about what I did with all that. Those people are dead. A lot of those people died in those cars. Now whose are the things that you prepared? That car that you polished and waxed is sitting there now and folks are cannibalizing parts off of it to fix their cars. Then who shall those things be which thou hast laid up? Be careful. Don't, don't be a, a worldly fool. No, but think about this guy for a minute, okay? Just think about this rich guy for a second, okay? Don't we desire to prosper? Yes or no? Yeah, nothing wrong with that, is there? Wouldn't you like to retire comfortably? Anyone opposed to, in opposition to that? No. What about being a success? Is that a terrible thing? Well, maybe it is for some people today. I don't know. But it's not a terrible thing. Isn't it good to employ others? Because when he was tearing down the barns, he was hiring work crews. So he's employing others as well. He's using his money to employ other folks. That's, that's a pretty good thing. Nothing wrong with that. Then why in the world is a man a fool? Why does Jesus cause him a fool in spite of all the good things he did? Because he focused all his attention on the here and none on the hereafter. I want you to be a success as a businessman or in whatever field you have chosen. I want you to be a success also. But if you put all your emphasis and all your focus on the here and nothing on the hereafter, I promise you, as sure as I'm standing here, you're going to have a bad outcome before the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll walk penniless, so to speak, into the kingdom of God. Penniless. A great missionary to the Alka Indians that was actually killed by the Alka Indians made this statement. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott. Killed by the very Indians God sent him to reach with the gospel of Christ. The next fool is in Matthew chapter 23. We won't take the time to read all that passage. I would jot it down if I were you and go read about it. 
These are the Pharisees. They make broad their phylacteries. They love to wear those fancy robes and their vestments. They would walk down the street and people would say, make way, make way. These people would walk and they're so holy and so righteous. And I'll tell you, I don't care if they're wearing the fancy robes or not. I've seen the same type of people today. You're not eating right if you don't hold your fork a certain way. You ever eaten at a table where they got like four spoons and four forks? Three knives? And you're going, what? When I grew up, mom said the forks are in, forks are in the drawer and you either there's the food on the counter. Either eat or starve. It's your choice. The religious fool. The religious fool puts symbolism above salvation. It's all about the outward symbol. It's all about the show. We need to show people that we're righteous. Could you imagine if I came home from work and, and the, the evening sun is behind my back and I walk up to the house and I say, Honey, I'm home. And she comes out and does this, okay? She comes out and there I am and she falls down to the shadow and she says, Oh, Oh, honey, I'm so glad you're home. Really? I'm going to be standing there going, let me make a phone call real fast. Okay? <laughs> really? Why in the world would you kiss the shadow instead of the person casting the shadow? Do you know all this religious symbolism? These are just shadows. They're just images. I held up my driver's license once to... Someone was making a point, and I said, who's that? And they looked at it, and they said, that's you. I said, uh-uh, no, it ain't. Looked at it, and said, yes, it is, it's you. I said, no, it's not. Hey, I'm over here. That's just a likeness. It's just a symbol of me. You better fall in love with the real thing, the real Jesus, amen, and not the symbols. All symbolism. Meaningless to God. Meaningless. Paganini one time came out on stage and it was a big, highly advertised concert. He was going to play a Stradivarius violin. And so uh, the place was packed, not a seat to be the thousands of people. He walked out holding that, holding a violin and, a, and the bow and he walked out to the middle of the stage and he started to play. Oh, it would make the angels weep. It was glorious. He was just playing. And, and, and when he stopped after about 30 minutes of play, the people all stood at their feet. Oh, bravo, bravissima, bravo. And then he took the violin and he went smash onto the thing. And he stomped on that violin. And everyone, <gasps> and then he walked off stage. And then he came back with another violin. He said, folks, this is the Stradivarius. That one didn't cost $100. But he made this statement then to the audience that was aghast. The music is not in the violin. It's in the violinist. Don't go for symbolism over salvation. Go for what's real. The last of the fools in the Bible is in Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 through 13. The unprepared fool. The story of the ten virgins. Five were prepared. Five weren't. Five had extra oil. Five said, give us of your oil. They said, no, no, you got to go buy it just like we did. 
you have to go buy. And they said, no, give us of your oil. Sorry, can't do that. And the door was opened. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. The door opened. The five that's lamps were lit went into the door, and the door was shut. And the other said, open to us. And instead, the person inside said, I can't. You had your chance. The unprepared fool who put preparation, you need to put preparation above panic. You need to prepare for the coming of the Lord because he's coming and he's coming soon. Amen? Aren't you glad to know about that? Do you know that the Bible says in the gospel of Matthew and Luke that when the rapture does come, it's going to divide families? Two shall be in one bed. It doesn't say, it says men, but men's in italics. It's not there in the Greek. Two shall be in one bed. Could be a husband and wife. Two shall be in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. It's going to divide families. And when it does, it's going to leave a lot of folks behind here with a huge question mark and exclamation point going, what just happened? I remember when we lived in Wahiwa when I was in the U.S. Army. Karen, I always assumed, was a lot holier than I am. I still do to this day. In fact, when I want something prayed for, I, don't, I just tell Karen, pray for this. But I came home and she wasn't there. I couldn't find her anywhere. She used to do that. She'd go out and take walks and not tell me. I actually stood there for a minute and thought I was just a young Christian, only been saved about a year. And I said to myself, I missed it. I missed it. <laughs> Oh, folks, listen, it's going to divide families, all right. So will you be prepared for that day or will you end up in a panic like the others, huh? The USS Memphis was captained by this man, Captain Edward Beach Sr. Had a crew of close to 300 men. And one day he was sent on a diplomatic mission. And he went to Santo Domingo, capital city of of uh, the Dominican Republic and he parked right there in those waters right there. The bad thing was when he, when he left he had already picked up a, a guest admiral. Rear Admiral Pons had been picked up to be taken back to the States afterward. And Admiral Pons was on board when Captain Beach, who told his executive officer and his cob, his chief of the boat, that I want at least four boilers in my boat to stay hot. Because he said, we don't know how this diplomatic mission is going to go, for one thing. And so I want four boilers to be left on. Once Captain Beach went to the shore, Admiral Pons countermanded against the naval rules, countermanded his order, and told the XO, that's nothing but a waste of coal. He said, I want you to shut down two of those boilers and I want you to turn the other one, one of the other two, to half heat. So he had only one and a half boilers instead of four boilers. Now that would have been okay on normal circumstances, except the day that this happened was actually August 29th, 1916, when a rogue wave came out of the south over 120 feet tall. And it hit the USF Memphis. And Admiral Pons had ordered that those boilers be shut down. If the four boilers had been hot, they would have been able to turn the screws and get that ship out to deep water and nothing would have happened. But it wasn't ready. And the rogue wave hit the USS Memphis, lifted it up literally and set it right on the shore. 
and it resulted in 43 dead and 204 badly wounded. And guess who they blamed? They blamed Captain Beach. And the admiral hid under his desk and wouldn't own up to what he did. It took until the Bill Clinton administration for Captain Beach to finally be exonerated. April Fools, yeah, they're in the Bible. We've looked at four fools today. We've looked at the building fool. Listen, you need the Lord Jesus Christ as your foundation. Don't try to build a life without him. It will only lead to disappointment. He doesn't ask that much from you. He has free grace for you. Free grace, free salvation. Don't be a building fool. You also, don't be a worldly fool. Don't spend your life working for things that have no eternal value. There's nothing wrong with building for a retirement and doing that kind of stuff. But you better remember who your God is and you better lay up for yourselves treasure also in heaven. Don't just let it be the here and not the hereafter. Don't be a religious fool. Don't think that God is impressed by a life of religious tradition. He's not impressed with that. He came out of one of the most traditional religions in the world, Judaism. They have more customs and more laws. And he said, if the Son of Man shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. God wants to deliver you from religious bindings and enslavement. And don't be an unprepared fool. Why do you put off your decision for Christ when you know he could come today? Today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time.